reached our cruising altitude, it's time for the flyover. Hey everybody, welcome back to Flyover View, a member of Heartland Pod family of podcasts, and a look at Heartland news from 30,000 feet. From the Gateway Arch to the Rocky Mountains, I'm your host, back in the saddle, Kevin Smith, joined by my co-host, Sean Diller. Sean, you ready to start this show? Well, I don't know. Is former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski ready to crawl back under the rock he uh, originally <laughs> came out of? Yeah, geez. I mean, what do you do when you're too slimy for the Trump team? Uh, you got me. Maybe Matt Gates is hiring. <laughs> All right, let's start the show. Lauren Boebert's district gets redder. Colorado's Independent Congressional Redistricting Commission has approved a final map with some definite winners and losers readily apparent. Unfortunately, because she's awful, United States Representative Lauren Boebert could be considered a winner when it comes to the new map. Earlier proposals either drew her home into the same district as Democratic Representative Joe Neguse or would have made her third congressional district more favorable to Democrats. Under the final proposal, the new third district would lean nine percentage points in Republicans' favor based on previous election results. The new third district will drop liberal Steamboat Springs in Lake County and pick up highly Republican counties in Southeast Colorado. Boebert secured her first term last year by just six percentage points. State Senator Kerry Donovan, a veiled Democrat who's raised at least one point $2 million to challenge Bobert next year was drawn out of the third district. The proposed final map places her in the second district with Nagoose. Members of Congress don't have to live in the district they represent, but it can be difficult to cross district lines and win. Two other Democratic Bobert challengers, Saul Sandoval Tafoya and State Representative Donald Valdez, were drawn into the third district after being drawn out in earlier versions of the map. State Representative Yadira Caraveo's home was drawn into the eighth district, which the Thornton Democrat is running to represent. Thus far, no Republican has declared a run in the 8th Congressional District, though State Senator Kevin Priola, a moderate from Henderson, Colorado, is one rumored challenger. This is super interesting for a bunch of reasons. One is that everybody in Kerry Donovan's camp, which is going to include everybody <laughs> in the Colorado Democrat Credit party pretty much is going to be furious about this. And well, I won't dwell on it because I'm so pumped about Dr. Yadira Caraveo running in this newly drawn eighth district. She is a child of immigrants. She's a Latina pediatrician representing a district where she fights for her patients. And she says her patients are dealing with poverty and all sorts of issues that folks in the top 1% never have to deal with. And we need to do better for the working class. So I would love to see her go to Congress to represent this uh, this great state of Colorado. The district's got parts of Adams and Weld County. Missouri Auditor files lawsuit against State Board over fallout from Holly Probe. Missouri Auditor Nicole Galloway filed a lawsuit Wednesday against the State Board of Accountancy stemming from an investigation of Josh Hawley's time as Attorney General. Galloway, a Democrat, argues that the board is misapplying a state statute in a way that could bar the auditor's office from publicly disclosing facts and findings about government inefficiencies, waste, fraud, and abuse, specifically surrounding the Hawley campaign. Galloway says in a statement that this office is turning to the Missouri courts to preserve and protect the constitutional authority of the state auditor, current or future, as taxpayers' independent watchdog. At issue is an audit released in February 2020 that found the Missouri Attorney General's office under Hawley may have misused state resources to boost his successful campaign for the U.S. Senate. Within weeks of being sworn in as Attorney General in January of 2017, Hawley brought in out-of-state political consultants to help direct his office who would go on to run his 2018 campaign 
campaign that unseated Democratic Senator Claire McCaskill. Whether Hawley or staff broke the law is unclear at this time. The report concludes, because they regularly conducted state business off government servers through use of private email and text messaging. The audit also found that Hawley used a state vehicle driven by a state employee on trips where the purpose was not documented in travel itineraries or vehicle mileage logs. The Kansas City Star had previously reported that Hawley used a state car for political events. To support the underlying findings, Galloway's 450-page report included transcripts of depositions with former staff, emails, financial records, and other documents. How Colorado will boost child care with the latest round of federal COVID aid. The money comes as child care businesses work to recover from the turmoil of the pandemic and state leaders prepare for two ambitious initiatives, the creation of a new standalone early childhood department by next summer and the launch of free universal preschool in 2023. The funding for early childhood, nearly $500 million from the federal COVID aid package known as the American Rescue Plan, represents a massive one-time infusion into a low-wage, high-turnover industry that's increasingly recognized as essential for working parents, employers, and the economy. Grace Eckel, Senior Policy Advisor for the state's Office of Early Childhood, said of the federal stimulus money, this is a truly historic level of investment in early childhood. The annual budget for Colorado's Office of Early Childhood is about $200 million, meaning the American Rescue Plan funding is more than double what the office typically spends on early childhood efforts each year. Two previous federal COVID relief packages, one approved just after the pandemic hit and one nine months later, plus a special state appropriation, have also helped Colorado's early childhood industry stay afloat during the pandemic. I have nothing really but anecdotal evidence to kind of back this up, but it's my belief that if you want to tackle this current situation where people aren't going back to work uh, and you want to get people back into jobs, early childhood care is one of the ways you can really get to that. 100%, especially anybody who can't work from home, which are the people we need the most, essential workers, healthcare workers, nurses, bus drivers. If you can't work from home, then you really need childcare. And if you're a bus driver or a nurse, you really need it to be affordable. So this is a really big deal. I hope other states and I hope Colorado keeps this money flowing for sure. Hey there, folks. I hope you're enjoying the show. I want to remind you that we are part of a larger family of podcasts all under the umbrella of the Heartland Pod. You can catch our flagship show, The Heartland Pod, on Mondays every week, where host Adam Summer interviews folks of interest from around the Midwest. On any given week, he could be chatting up a politician, a farmer, a scientist, you name it. Included in that show is the Talking Politics section, where our panel of experts dig deep into elections, legislation, and public policy. On Wednesdays, we have a bevy of possibilities from The Delta, a show dedicated to understanding the science surrounding some of the things you may be hearing in the news, be it COVID-19, climate change, what have you. Adam may even dip in every now and then with a special Wednesday episode on whatever topic of the week is really hitting home. So check us out throughout the week. We'd love to have you. And now, the lightning round. Lightning round. What is a bevy? <laughs> Healthcare employees wear panic buttons as assaults triple at Missouri Hospital. In Branson, Missouri, one hospital has found it necessary to take an extra step in the fight against COVID-19, a protective measure, but not for their patients themselves. At Cox Medical Center, healthcare workers will now be wearing personal panic buttons as violence has sharply increased during the COVID-19 pandemic. Ashley Blevins, a nurse at Cox Medical Center, Branson, has said that employees have endured spitting, cussing, and assaults, saying that they come in here and they have to sit here because everywhere is full. 
We have no placements to put anybody. And that's frustrating on the patient. And that's frustrating on us. And I think it's increasing a lot of violence towards everyone. Public Safety and Security Systems Director Alan Butler says, when public safety response is critical and it's not possible to get to a phone, personal panic buttons fill a critical void. They are one more tool in a battle to keep our staff safe and further demonstrate this organization's commitment to maintaining a safe work and care environment. Proposed new congressional seat in Houston, Texas, gets a prominent GOP candidate. Wesley Hunt, an Army combat veteran who ran a close congressional contest last year in the Houston area, announced he plans to run for the state's new 38th congressional district. The announcement came a day after state lawmakers unveiled a proposed new congressional map with two new seats, one in the Austin area and the other in the Houston area. The district drawn in the Austin area, the 37th, is overwhelmingly Democratic, while the one drawn in the Houston area, the 38th, is solidly Republican. Hunt had made known for months that he planned to run for Congress again in the Houston area pending redistricting. Hunt was one of the GOP's top recruits nationally during the last election cycle when he challenged United States Representative Lizzie Fletcher, a Democrat representing the Houston area, finishing three percentage points behind her. Under the proposed new map, Fletcher's district becomes far less competitive for Republicans, turning it into a district that Joe Biden would have carried by 30 points. As currently proposed, the new 38th district is one that Trump would have won by 18 points. It stretches northwest from the west side of Houston to the city's far suburbs. Missouri Department of Revenue creating refund claim form for gas tax. In Missouri, the first part of a 12.5 cent gas tax increase begins today, an incremental increase of just 2.5 cents. And there is a way for Missourians to avoid paying it in the form of a refund. According to the legislation, Missourians seeking an exemption and refund for the fuel tax are required to provide the Missouri Department of Revenue a statement with written verification the claim is made under the penalty of perjury, exacting the total amount of fuel tax paid in the applicable fiscal year for each vehicle covered. Anne-Marie Moy, Department of Revenue Director in Strategy and Communications, said the department will have a refund claim form available on its website before July 1, 2022, which is the earliest motorists can file a claim. Revenue from the new gas tax will be split between the Missouri Department of Transportation and local governments. Missouri Governor Mike Parson said that the new gas tax has the potential to raise more than $450 million in transportation funding while in effect. Roughly $330 million would go to MoDOT State Road Fund each year, and about $125 million would go directly to cities and counties for local transportation projects. In Minnesota, GOP proposal for pandemic pay limits bonuses to a smaller pool of essential workers, including nurses. Minnesota state GOP leaders on Thursday unveiled their proposal to distribute $250 million in pandemic bonus pay to nurses, first responders, correctional officers, long-term care workers, and hospice providers. A bipartisan panel of lawmakers have met in recent weeks to hash out which essential workers would be eligible for the checks. Republicans favor limiting the pool of eligible workers to those who sustained an intimate exposure to COVID-19, said Republican Senator Karen Housley of Stillwater. If approved, the legislation would provide a $1,200 bonus and set the requirements for which workers are eligible. Democratic legislators on the panel have favored a broader base of essential workers that would include meatpacking plant workers, janitorial staff, and daycare workers, among others. The panel missed a previous deadline to reach an agreement, but if lawmakers can reach a deal, Democrat Farm Labor Governor Tim Waltz is prepared to call lawmakers back to St. Paul for a special session to pass the compromise legislation. Some workers, including nurses, 
pushed back against the GOP plan, telling reporters that all kinds of essential workers, including food service workers, janitors, and many others, faced health risks. State Representative Cedric Frazier of New Hope said, This most recent public announcement by the GOP is nothing more than political posturing. It does nothing to honor our frontline workers. Missouri elementary school teacher and husband plead guilty in capital riot case. Kelsey and Zachary Wilson entered guilty pleads in the U.S. federal court for parading in a Capitol building on January 6th. The Wilsons are the second and third of the 14 Missouri residents charged in the Capitol riot case to enter guilty pleas. Authorities have arrested more than 650 people in connection with the Capitol invasion. So far, more than 70 have pleaded guilty, and Kelsey Wilson is no longer employed at Dayspring Christian School, according to the statement. A sentencing date has been set for December 10th, both facing maximum sentence of six months in prison and a $5,000 fine. Both are also required to pay $500 in restitution for damage to the Capitol building on January 6th. Well, that's all the time we have, folks. I want to thank you for joining us. If you have a story you feel we should look into and possibly highlight on the show, tweet us at the Heartland Pod and visit us for links to all our shows in our merchandise shop at heartlandpod.com. Flyover Reviews are production of MidMap Media LLC. This week's episode featured reporting from the Colorado Sun, Missouri Independent, Jefferson City News Tribune, the Texas Tribune, Minnesota Reformer, and Kansas City Star. Remember to subscribe so you get this show and all our Heartland Pod offerings with new episodes released Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks for joining us, and see you next week, same time, same place. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's Flyover View. We'll see y'all next week.